Hello, everybody. Welcome to a, another episode of A Space for Soul. For those that are new here, my name is Heather. I am a mom of two, an entrepreneur, and your host. Super excited to have you on this week. We are going to be talking about sleep, not just for babies, but also for yourself, because it is National Sleep Awareness Week. And I don't know about you, but I've always been passionate about sleep, and now I am extra passionate and an advocate for healthy, good sleep because holy sleep deprivation when you are a business owner and a parent. Am I right for anyone that's listening? Just raise your hand. I'll never know, but I feel it. (laughs) It is like, oh my gosh, it's the worst thing on the planet when you are tired, or at least in my book. Um, I always joke that I'm not really a morning um, early bird. I'm not really a night owl. I'm like a, I don't know, midday chicken right now, spring chicken. Um, because I just can't seem to get myself up early. I've been trying, I'm trying to do this whole new thing where I'm wake up early and actually think to some tips from Kayla Kajiyama, who is a pediatric sleep consultant and the guest of today's episode. I've been sleeping like a champ. My babies are sleeping like a champ and it is incredible. So Kayla helps families create sustainable sleep habits for their little ones and themselves, if you ask. So um, sometimes we as adults need to also be resleep trained, especially with everything going on in electronics and just, you know, the world right now. So she's worked with families for over 12 years and saw common trends that sleep was at the forefront of needs for so many families and it was deeply affecting their entire well-being. She was able to draw on her educational background in psychology to approach each family in a customized way. And I can honestly attest to the fact that it is customized. I do feel like there are so many amazing sleep consultants out there. Um, and there's a lot of great advice you can get that is a little more, um, specific to the age group, but a little more generalized to the baby. But when you really need to get some sleep coaching like Kayla offers, um, it is something that I feel you've got to take the approach of each baby is different. So um, I've worked with a few actually, and I really, really, really love her and I'm so excited to have her on as today's expert. Also, she is a mom of three um, and loves exploring with them, especially when they aren't having their meltdowns. So what mom doesn't love being with their babies when they're absolutely rested in such a great mood and ready to just learn and see the world from their eyes. So I'm going to welcome on Kayla and let's get chatting about how to get you some sleep, girl. Hi, I'm Heather, the founder of Soul Space and your host for A Space for Soul. If you're new here, a little bit about me. I'm a business owner for over eight years, mom of two, wife, daughter, friend, don't forget for a mom. And you could say I'm juggling a lot while I'm chasing my babies and my dreams. The truth is I've learned a lot too, and I'm here to share it with you. Tune in every other Wednesday to hear myself and our lovely guest dish about motherhood, entrepreneurship, relationships, and tips about how to navigate the transition from me to mama. It's by far the hardest transition I've made to date, but the good news is if you're here, you don't have to do it alone. Each episode, I'm letting it all hang out. Yes, all of it. Imagine the pretty, the messy bun, the too tight for my skinny jeans, because that's what girlfriends do. Welcome to a space for soul. I'm excited to share mine with you. Okay. Welcome Kayla. I'm so excited to have you here during our national sleep awareness week. Um, how are you doing? Are you feeling rested? I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here and to be talking about sleep during this super important awareness week. 
I am actually super rested this week, thankfully. How about you? Hallelujah. Um, yeah, I am. I kind of took a two-day sabbatical. And I don't know if that's a thing or not, but I did it. And I totally Netflixed and just hung out. And it was magical. So I feel pretty damn rested thanks to that and you um, helping me with my wonderful children's uh, sleep issues. <laughs> so... <laughs> thankfully I've got my team, I've got Netflix and we're doing good. Um, some people may know about you cause I share your Tuesday tip days and things like that on social. But, um, for anyone who is a new listener or, um, some of our listeners that may not know you yet, can you share a little bit about yourself and, um, how you decided you wanted to help infants and parents, um, be supported through learning how to sleep? Sure. Well, after working with families for over 13 years through childbirth education, postpartum support, and beyond, I honestly realized a huge missing piece of the puzzle was sleep in these families that I was supporting through various services, um, both private and through various organizations. And by sleep, I mean education and guidance. I just realized it was completely missing. Um, what I was noticing was that families were exhausted and it's kind of the societal norm and it was affecting everything from their mental well-being to their physical well-being to um, job retention in various populations I was working with. And there's this badge of honor often that is just praise. You know, I'm sure you've seen it. Hashtag team no sleep. And I actually see it as really dangerous. And of course there's decreased sleep after having babies that, that that's, you know, that's well known. There's decreased sleep when you're also a working person, let alone a working parent. But when we learn what to expect and have realistic expectations and find ways to help guide our children towards better quality of sleep, I was finding that developmentally appropriate sleep and again, expectations led everyone to a much higher quality well-being. And this was just this huge missing piece um, within these family units. Oh my gosh, sleep deprivation and exhaustion is so real. And I love how you touched on like, being a working parent too, and how that can play into it because work alone can deplete you and make you so exhausted. And then you go into another job, which is being a parent after you've worked all day. And then if that doesn't go well, and then you just keep repeating the cycle, it's like you, I personally hit a point where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm cracking. I can feel it. I'm not myself. I'm not healthy right now. I need to sleep. And it's like, whether I take a 30 minute nap or a two hour nap, it doesn't matter if I just get some level of sleep. It's like, I'm a whole different person. Um, and it's, it's tough when you see your kids struggling for sleep because a lot of parents, especially first time parents, I know I didn't fully compute that I need to teach my child how to sleep. They may come out of the womb and think it's morning and it's nighttime and all these things are off and they don't really know how to self-soothe. And, and so it's like, it's so important. Um, I love how you're, you know, really talking about the education and the importance of sleep for both parents and for children. Cause too, once we get our children to sleep, there's times where, you know, we suck at sleeping ourselves because we're so excited they're sleeping that we want to be awake. <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole other ball game. That is a whole other very important thing I'm glad you mentioned to tackle because that alone is a whole other a whole other section of, you know, I'm so exhausted and I'm like, well, your baby's actually sleeping well, so I think we need to look at what you're doing. <laughs> totally. Um, oh my gosh. And if people've looked at the title of this episode, they're probably figuring out now um 
because I called it nap queen and queen of queen of sleep unite. I am the nap queen. Kayla <laughs> is the queen of sleep. Um, <laughs> because, um, I, uh, I just love my sleep so much. And I have always been like, I'm definitely going to sleep train, um, you know, found a method that worked for me. And it's so funny. Cause like they say, every kid is different. And, um, you know, Vaughn did really well. He was such a schedule baby Sutton. However, while she's good about sleeping and has been on a schedule disruptors, like, um, you know, leap weeks and teething and, and certain things like that situational stuff. She's not as good about sleeping other places has been a little rough. So that's where Kayla and I started working together. And she's been, you know, really helping me work on Sutton's sleep because there's been times where things have been happening. And there's also been other times where she's sleeping well, but it's not to my clock, <laughs> which has been something. So I kind of want to kick off this combo just about talking about why sleep training can be helpful for um, infants, you know, and parents. I'm so glad you mentioned that because there's a notion. So for anyone listening, sleep and wanting sleep is not selfish. It's actually a very loving act because sleep is a, is a biological need. We all need sleep. Um, you know, we need sleep for our health. We need sleep for our mental health, our physical health. And just our overall well-being. And often what happens is parents have guilt because they are seeking sleep. But really, who benefits the most is actually your child. Because what happens is when babies and children are rested, their physical well-being is better. Again, their moods are better. They're eating better. And it becomes this great cycle of they're sleeping better. They feel better. Our days are going smoother. And our time together is so much more enjoyable. So for infants, when they have these sleep foundations, especially early on, it helps for any type of developmental changes that occur, occur or as illnesses come up or other changes in life, you'll notice that, that when we've given our children the skills of foundational sleep and routines, they're able to adjust to these different things in life a lot easier. And again, it's just when simple put, simply put, when we're not rested, we don't feel great. When kids are not getting the rest they need, you'll see this act out in various things such as appearing like ADHD, um, getting sick often, it, the list just goes on. And so for your infant, your toddler, your child, sleep literally increases their entire quality of life. And parents, after realizing what has changed in their child and looking at the positive difference um, from when they were not sleeping so well, and maybe they weren't even sure that it wasn't that well, maybe they weren't sure they even needed more sleep, but once they were getting this more sleep, they report back that, oh my goodness, it's almost like a whole new kid, their focus, their mood, their attention, the way they're eating, just again, the list could go on and on and on, but I promise you that the benefits of sleep are for more than just yourself as an adult getting sleep, but they also are for the well-being of your child. Oh, it's so true. I was just dealing with a tired toddler yesterday, actually, because I picked him up a little later than I normally do from preschool and I bring him home to nap. Um, and he was just starting to get to that window. Um, I was actually napping him at 1 p.m., 1.30, cause it was working with the days he was in preschool and I was trying to keep him on the same schedule. And I noticed we kind of hit this, this window where he just seemed grog, like he was just frustrated all the time. And when he keeps getting frustrated, a lot during, you know, an hour or two hours in my case, something's up. It's normally sleep. Um, so I actually shifted on the days that he's home, putting him down the same time as my toddler, my younger toddler, which is amazing because A, they sleep at the same time and B, he's not up for as long. And I noticed that it really, a lot of his temperament is so tied to sleep. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's hard when you, especially first time parent, and if you're very active, you know, 
um, social parent to be on a schedule, to know the wake windows. Like, um, and I want to talk about the um, wake windows and then go into a little bit about your approach because I think it's a little different than some of the other sleep experts, which I um, I really love when when it's more of a personalized approach versus kind of just a structure that you implement because I think every child is different. Um, but I, you know, I've talked to parents who their first baby, they were like, oh, we just kind of flew by the seat of our pants and it was all right. And then the second they're like implementing schedules and realizing, oh my gosh, this was such a different experience because the child knew what to expect. The parents knew when the, ba- when the baby was going to be stretched and kind of caught that, you know, window and stuff. So, um, tell me a little bit about like sleep windows and also when do those those windows expire or do they because for instance I have a three and a half year old and I kind of notice around like that six hour mark is his window but I'm like he's three and a half does he really have sleep windows anymore yeah that's a great question and I also like that you mentioned how with your um, preschooler you're noticing when you put him down earlier he's actually doing okay and a lot better and I will say that even if preschool is not daily and let's say it's like every you know two or three days a week it's okay on those days especially if he'll just go down that that nap is a little later but noticing that it needs to be earlier and adjusting it makes the world a difference so great job there um, noticing that Awake windows are a really important thing to talk about. And at the foundation of sleep, regardless of how you are sleeping with your child, if that is they're in a crib, if that's in their bassinet, they're co-sleeping, if you're just putting them in a stroller or the baby carrier, if that's something that works for your lifestyle, regardless, the awake window idea is basically that we are learning how long our baby can stand to be awake before they're overtired. So Um, To first answer your question, I'll run briefly through some awake window times and then discuss um, briefly about them expiring, so to say. But newborns are about 45 minutes of awake time. And this is why you'll notice they are napping all day long. And when I've worked with families in homes overnight and they'll say, yeah, the baby was awake for six hours today. It's usually when um, everything hits the fan in the evening because it does not usually make babies sleep longer. It may initially. And so that's something to note out there. If we keep babies up really long, we might notice for a few days that they are sleeping really well and that ends and they become just extensively ridiculously overtired. From one to three months, this time changes from 45 minutes upwards of an hour and 15 minutes or so. And then we hit this three to four month mark. And that's where we hear about sleep regression. That could be a whole other episode. Um, but that's when we increase our awake times to about an hour and 15, an hour and a half or so. And then outside of four months, we reach this four to five to six month age. And again, we're hitting around an hour and a half of awake time to an hour and, and um, 45 minutes or so. And then we hit this six to eight month time. And that's where we're nearing two hours to two and a half hours. And then we get in this eight to 10 month window and we miss two and a half to three and a half hour mark or so. And after 10 months, it kind of becomes not a toss up necessarily, but it, it really varies by child. And so for example, you having a 16 month old might notice that she might need less awake time than others. And so this ranges from two and a half hours upwards of at 18 months, we're hitting about five to six hours for some children max. Now, what the age you're at six hours or so seems to be about the magic window, six to seven hours. Um, and then when they phase out of that one nap a day, you'll notice that that wake the day is basically separated into like, um, 11 hour overnights or so, and they're awake all day. So it's not necessarily they expire, but the way that they kind of do phase out is when your child just is not needing that one nap a day anymore. 
And that's when you'll notice a huge change there. Got it. Yeah. Thankfully we're still on him needing a nap. He's taking an hour and a half, if not two, and he's sleeping, um, 11 hours a night, roughly. So I'm like, okay, you're still getting good sleep at night. You're still giving me a break during the day. Um, but yeah, once he, he has a few times been like, "Mm, I don't want a nap, but then he is out in five minutes. I'm like, thankfully we're not there yet. I had a friend whose kid at two and a half gave up his nap and I'm like, what? (laughs) That better not be my baby. (laughs) The naps are so, so vital. Um, so thanks for sharing those windows. Cause I know a lot of parents too, again, like going back to when I was a first time parent, I'm like, what's a wake window. What's like, you know, like overtired babies actually. And this was like the biggest debate with me and my husband was like, well, if the baby's not sleeping in enough, we should keep her up later, keep them up later. I'm like, no, overstretched babies do not sleep more. It's not like adults, you know, we don't have, it's not the same process for whatever reason. You probably know the reasoning for that, but, um, I remember it was so funny always thinking like, okay, if she's overtired, I actually need to put her down earlier, not later to get her to sleep past, you know, 5am or whatever, which is always like the battle around here. Um, so before we hop into a bit about your approach, what is that reasoning behind, um, if a baby is like, for instance, waking up at five, five thirty, um, putting them down later doesn't necessarily help. I'm glad you asked that question. So something interesting is that we notice in adults also, adults just don't realize it, but often when they are overtired, we're not, where they aren't, and we are not as adults sleeping as well as quality. Um, and that is something like when I have adults keep sleep journals because they can, you know, self-report, they'll notice like, oh my gosh, I'm actually not that much different than my toddler. Like I'm overtired. It just manifests a whole other way. And we'll talk about that in a little bit when we get into parent sleep. But the reasoning being is what happens is when our body, when babies and toddlers and children and adults as well, when their bodies are overtired, they are starting, they are listening to stress response. And so the stress response is when we're increasing cortisol and adrenaline, and it becomes this, um, I'm not sure if you've ever had it. I'm sure you have, since you have a, you know, older toddler is you miss bedtime. Let's say you're out doing something and they catch what people call the second wind. And what that is, is the stress response at that point, babies manifest that in like extreme upset toddlers often manifest that in just extreme hyperactivity, like will not calm down running around the house, just like, let's go party now. And that's the cortisol and then the adrenaline and they're just hyped. And so it's the body's stress response of like, we need sleep now, but now we're going to go into overdrive for survival and we're going to just max it to the floor. And this is why when we miss windows of babies and we have babies who are awake for four hours, they aren't usually going to sleep very easy. There's a huge battle of going to sleep. And again, in babies that manifest in just pure fussiness usually and toddlers can be fussy all day and then also hit these second windows and of wind and just be like again let's go party let's go play let's go like it's definitely not time to sleep and then we're working twice as hard if not more to get them down and past that response oh my gosh you totally just made me think about my son because um we're trying to figure out you know the ideal time to put him down and um playing with some, a few times, but it's funny because he always has this burst of energy before bed and wants to play and tackle. And he's such a boy and wants to wrestle and jump on mommy and all these things. And I'm like, okay, we're supposed to be winding down. Like let's calm down now. And so that actually makes me think 
I wonder if he's a little stretched or, you know, like I'll start playing around with some stuff, but that's super interesting about kind of that, um, that spike in cortisol to keep you giving you that second wind and how you don't actually want that to happen in children. It's fine if it happens in adults, cause you can make it up, but in children, not really the best thing. <laughs> Well, and I will add too that older toddlers, it is also really normal for them to have this burst of energy. And it kind of goes into like, ah, oh, the day's ending. I don't want to miss out. I want to play. And so boundaries around that are great, but it is really normal for this burst of energy before bed as well, um, before going down. So personality, they hit a stage of just like, let's play. Um, and that's where, you know, it's helpful to have your routines and okay, now we're done playing, but not um, necessarily for like on purpose going and seeking out, like, let's go play a game of tackle football right now, five minutes before bed. But if they're seeking it and you're giving them that input, then falling asleep afterwards is usually okay as well. Just to like, kind of throw that in there because toddlers are often not just wanting to play to not miss out on the day and go to sleep. Yeah. The FOMO is real in toddlers. <laughs> um, since we're on the topic of toddlers, let's talk about toddlers being scared. And this is something that is actually a completely self-serving question because this is a new thing for me. And I know we've lightly touched on it. Um, but as Vaughn's getting older, um, he's, he's showing scaredness, but also sometimes playing the scared card and I'm navigating through when is what. Um, so I'd love to just talk through like some tactics, some ways to make them feel safe. Um, and what you kind of recommend when a child is saying like, mommy, I'm scared and, and defining too, like, okay, when is it something just to postpone bedtime and when it like knowing when they're truly scared. Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked. So first thing I'm going to do is break it up into a few sections, if that's okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So the first thing I want to talk about is the tactics to get parents to stay. And I'm sure any parent of a toddler can is raising their hand right now that sometimes there's these things and, and we look at them often as tactics of like, I need another glass of water. I need another back rub. Um, can you pull my covers up like this again? can you, uh, you know, adjust the nightlight? I actually need to ask you another question. And those are tactics. We could use that word tactics. They're often delay bedtime. And really what happens here is we don't want it to turn into a power struggle because like a lot of things with toddlers, when we develop into power struggles, it takes away even what we're working out at hand, which is getting to bed in a decent manner. And it turns into a power struggle between us and our child. So it's helpful to address or take a look at what's going on at bedtime before we address um, fears and scare. So tactics, quote unquote, I really just like to use the term like delays can come from many places. Um, sometimes it's just that they're not tired. And if that's happening consistently, like I think we just talked about, it's helpful to address, okay, is this a good bedtime for them? Do they actually need a little more awake time? Do they need a little more time um, before going to bed if they're just not tired? And there's, there's ways you can test that out as well and work towards that. And again, I think that's a whole other episode. <laughs> um, but going from there, there's this phase of separation that happens in toddlers. And there's also literally the FOMO, like you mentioned, like we just do not want to miss out. So if you pay attention to what they're asking for the most and go from there. So for a few nights, you can kind of keep a little notepad in your, on your phone or, you know, somewhere on your, your desk and look at, are they always asking for water and they're thirsty? Is that something they're asking for? Are they always asking for more back rubs or more um, retucking in, more just sitting there with them? 
And the reason I say to really look at what they're asking for during that whole bedtime shuffle is you can often meet these needs earlier in the evening or throughout the day. And over time, when those needs are met during the day, for example, um, touch a lot of kids with their back rubbed for a long time or mom or dad to sit with them. And we notice, oh, okay, we do take one-on-one like dates with them when we can, you know, it's really hard, but when we can stop and go, okay, we'll fit like 10 minutes a day and you don't have to announce it. You don't have to announce, don't announce even. And, you know, this is our touch. This is our time together, but I have a client recently who called it their touch time and literally just hanging out and kind of really giving them that cuddle or reading a book in your lap and meeting that need. Another part of the day, they found that bedtime was not as much of a delay because they weren't asking for a constant back rub or a constant, you know, no, come back, rub it more. No, come back, um, sit with me more because that need was actually being met earlier in the day. The next thing is water. For example, there's no harm in just keeping a glass of water or a sippy cup of water in the bedroom, because what you do is piled and you say, well, I actually don't need to go get you water. Here's your water right here. And then if something else comes up, like, well, actually I need you to do this. We can work on, uh, let's, let's empower them a little. And, you know, I'm going to come back in five minutes or, and then actually come back because we want to make sure we're following through on our word and not just leaving the room because we do want to build trust. But what happens is again, when we notice what they're asking for, if we can find other ways to meet that throughout the day, you'll notice over time, those decreasing. And when it is just becoming this game of you leave the room, I need my back rubs again, or you leave the room and I need, you know, I need you to pull the covers up or scratch right here on my ear. I'm sure you've heard everything. I was a toddler parent or older child parent. And that's when we can use something called the excuse me method. And it's honest. It's like, I have to, you know, I'll be right back. And you come back and you do that in intervals. And over time, it allows them to gain confidence. And I'm actually fine. Like I can get myself to sleep, have a routine that's simple, not dragged out. And that sets boundaries. And so meaning if you're rubbing your, their back, maybe you're doing it for five minutes, you're doing it for five minutes. And then you walk out of the room. Or if you're, um, you know, scratching their head, you're doing it for X amount of minutes and you're walking out of the room. If you're reading books, you're reading three books and the books are done. And it really allows to set expectations up. And over time, again, I know not everything is in, you'll notice these tactics or this bedtime kind of avoidance decreases. Now, go ahead. Oh, no, keep going. Okay. And. But then there becomes this other thing that happens often and we see is children around two and a half, three, three and a half, usually once they're pretty vocal, sometimes we'll start to have fears and they'll say, I'm scared. Um, I hear a noise. I know that you've had that. I, uh, uh, the wind blew this way or various fears. And the first thing I really want to drive home is to ask questions. We don't want to, we want to be very careful about not putting words in their mouth like oh did you see a monster under your bed because now in their head they're like monster under my bed like what that's a thing could have been just a fear and not sure what it was so always asking them like how are you feeling scared what's going on it's really really important to not build up or to support these fears what I mean by this is we're not going to go out and purchase monster sprays. We're not going to make a monster broom that we sweep the room with every night before bedtime. When we walk into the room, we're not going to make these a big deal and that we're not validating our child's fears, but we don't want to give them like concrete evidence and belief that, Oh, there, there are monsters. That's why we're sweeping the room at night. Like 
there's definitely monsters. That's why we're spraying. Mom said, boogeyman, get out of the room. Definitely why she's doing that. There really is one. And, and we need to make sure we're, we're getting that out of here. Um, and, and, and it all comes from a good place. So when parents are doing this, they're not, they're not coming from an intent of doing that, but psychologically what happens that places the idea in the head. So it's kind of similar if your child had no idea what you were eating and they're like, ah, mom, what are you eating? And you say like, you can't have any of this birthday cake I'm eating. And they weren't going to ask for any anyway, but now they're like, well, there's birthday cake that exists. It's like, wait, what is going on? And so it's kind of a silly comparison, but it's really true. And something else to really put into thought is that we want their room and their bedroom to be a safe place. So we, while we want to reassure them, we don't want to create like, again, this con you know, there are these scary things that exist. So we're going to help you with that in your room, but you're still expected to stay in your room, but these things definitely are there. So we've just sprayed this or, you know, swept or said something to get them out. And so we want them to know their bedroom is a safe place to be, to be. And what this is when they're scared and they're asking for reassurance, it's okay. And helpful to go back and reassure and say, you know, um, what can I get for you? And usually it's to sit with them. Okay. I'm going to sit with you for five minutes and then repeating that, excuse me, drill and really towards them saying in their bedroom, because you want their bedroom to be a safe place. So if they're coming to your bed in the middle of the night, it's why it's really helpful to actually go back to their room. If it's a hard night, let's say they had a nightmare or something and they're afraid in their room. If it means you laying with them for a bit, you can phase that out. But saying like, okay, you're scared in your room and now you're going to stay in my bed, gets them further away. If your goal is for them to be in their room, gets them further away from staying in their room. And I'm hoping that made sense. It's a lot of information and it's kind of like uh, um, <laughs> a lot of ideas that aren't always put out there, but it's really important to facilitate trust and facilitate reassurance that, you know, how can I help you feel safe? What's going on? But not giving them a reason to believe there is something else there. It was so helpful. And when I was going to pop in, but I wanted to let you keep going was um, there was so much, I was computing like, oh my gosh, this is gold. Um, because, you know, I, it made me think for my specific situation, one, Vaughn at certain times could not be completely tired. And it's definitely a separation thing. Cause the most thing he asked for um, now that I've tackled water, cause I actually started putting a water bottle in his room. I was like, there's water, buddy, go get it. And also giving him that independence. Um, is to lay with me. So he's always like, please lay with me, mommy, lay with me. Can you get daddy to rest with me? And it's like, I want to rock again. And so it's definitely that physicalness that he's looking for. And it's more so on the days that I'm working. So like that just got all put together as you were talking, which is incredible um, because it makes me realize what he's needing. And I've kind of in my gut been like, he wants more time, but not really known where it was necessarily coming from. So that was super helpful. Um, I've also been, you know, at certain times where I know like, you know, daddy's already done the part of routine. Mommy's come up and checked in on him and he's selling, selling, selling. I'm like, yeah, I'll check if daddy will come in again. I don't know. And then I like, don't come back. So probably mixing that a little bit would be helpful. And so that I'm not, I'm still, you know, having that trust there, which is just a great thing for me to know. Um, I'm working on the excuse me method. Everything I say to him, he's like, Oh, I'll help. That sounds fun. I'm like, no, I'm folding laundry. No, I'm, I'm, you know, digging a hole, like anything I think of that's like, this has to be absolutely awful for him. He's like, Oh, that sounds great. Can I come? I'm like, okay, now. <laughs> so I need to work on the excuse me method, but he's also been doing this really funny haha slash not situation where, um, he will be, <clears throat> excuse me. He'll be like, mommy, I have to go poopy. And it's like, we've done the entire bedtime routine for 30 minutes. He has been in bed. He is tired. And then he realizes I have to get up and he's like, 
I have to go poopy. I need to try. I was like, Vaughn, and I know sometimes he does actually have to go and sometimes he doesn't, but now he's refusing to learn how to wipe his bottom because he knows I have to wipe. He's like, okay, come check on me because you have to wipe my bottom. And I'm like, oh, geez. So now we're working on that situation because that's like his latest go-to, which is hilarious. But I've also just started being like, okay, buddy, well, if you have to poopy at night like that, then you're going to have to learn how to wipe your bottom and kind of see what happens. And last night he actually came out and he's like, I didn't have to poopy. I was like, oh, okay, perfect. I knew that. Um, so that, <laughs> that's been our latest struggle, but this was so helpful. And also on the make them feel safe, don't validate the monsters. Like, oh my gosh, because I've been sweeping the scaries sometimes. I'm like, oh, I grabbed all the scaries. I got them. No big deal. Thinking that was helping as like a mechanism. And in reality, it could be validating like, oh, there were scary things in my room. I'm scared, you know? Um, I never even thought about that. So that is like monumental for me. Um, and I think that was like the big one about, you know, safe, like just repeating that you're safe, everything's good. I've done that, but I do sometimes be like, oh, let me look and make sure there's no monsters and things like that. So um, that was super, super helpful. And if they ask, you know, just to clarify too, if they ask, let's say they have an idea in their head or at preschool, someone talked about something and they say, can you look under my bed? Some a simple response can be sure under your bed. I see whatever's under their bed, you know, Legos or this and that, like, that's what I see and really just reframing it. And you'll often see a huge difference. Another thing I've wanted to add in also is screen time, really paying attention to what they're watching because some things that we don't think are really harmful or anything. I think we've talked about this before, like um, how to train your dragon or mm -hmm. shows like that. And sometimes what can happen is we notice, oh, there are kind of dark and scary scenes in there. And so those things can pop up in their dreams or their imagination starts to go when they're laying in their room at night and like, oh, what's that? What could that be? So being mindful of like very intense um, screen time things like, like shows or movies and trying to make sure, especially in the few hours leading up to bedtime, that anything they're watching is a lot calmer um, in you know the genre of like action and adventure because a lot of these like really harmless action and adventure shows also have darker parts that for kids we look at it like oh that's really nothing but for a lot of kids their imagination starts to roll so being mindful of that also of what they're taking in is really helpful it's so true I've noticed um you know Vaughn loves watching the how to um, catch a dragon movie he's watched Incredibles and he's watched um there's one other one that he watched. Um, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, well, he probably is taking in a lot of this information. And even with Bambi, it's like, oh my gosh, the mom died. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, like I'm trying to fast forward through part of that. Or he asked me to read the book and I was like, ah, they're in a woods and they went home. Like I'm skipping so many words. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't read this to him. Um, so I totally agree with that. And it's been lately where he's like remembering parts of movies and he knows if it's not in the beginning. So I know he's retaining it. Um, and we've definitely, you know, good old COVID, we've been a lot more lax on TV time than I probably would like. Um, but it's, it's making me mindful of like, okay, we need to be thinking about what he's really taking in um, just because of those reasons. Like he does have little nightmares and stuff sometimes. It's not very often, but you know, I don't want him processing like any of that stuff or asking like, what does that mean? Or, you know, so that is a really, really good point. Um, so I wanted to ask too, um, obviously 
you are the queen of sleep, like I said, and you've totally helped me ace my kids' sleep. Um, but we tapped a little bit on adult sleep training is a different story. So I would love to know um, what you feel is just kind of some of the worst sleep habits we've developed as adults. Um, how do we break them? And also, you know, just to start, how many hours do you think parents and, and people should really be realistically getting? And I know they say like nine hours or sleep in increments of three of what I've heard, because that's our REM cycle. And I'm just curious, like what really is like a restorative amount of sleep for an adult? Oh, I'm so glad you asked because again, like we mentioned earlier, babies can actually be sleeping decently well, but when we don't have good sleep habits as adults, we're going to feel it hardcore. It's what we do at the time we're able to sleep. That's so important. And the first thing I want to say is the quality of sleep over the quantity of sleep goes over everything. Like it is the top the ruler, the rule at hand. For example, if you had a four hour chunk of sleep and you spent that chunk with the TV on and the light on, and you were in and out of sleep because your dog kept barking, that four hour chunk is not going to be as restorative and restful as the two hours you might've gotten earlier in the night that were solid dark sleep. So with that said, the average sleep for a adults is seven to nine hours. However, like you did mention, which is awesome. There are three hour chunks that can be restorative. And the first part of the night. So between 10 PM and 2 AM is where the researchers are finding over time that that is restorative sleep. So really make it, this is where there's an issue. And we'll get into this in a second of, of, um, not great sleep habits for adults. But when I say seven to nine hours, that's not always so practical for adults. A lot of us have to work, have to wake up early, have children who are not sleeping well. And so they are, or just developmentally, you know, babies aren't meant to, to, to be born and sleep 12 hours at night or even seven hours at night. So there, you are going to have phases of not getting that sleep, but getting that three hour chunk, even that two hour chunk, even that one hour, good quality nap, or, you know, the four hour chunk when you have a baby, those are more important. And again, if they're high quality versus you got 12 hours of sleep, but what were the circumstances in those 12 hours and a few things that adults have that are not great habits. The biggest one being alcohol before bed. So alcohol before bed does not give us the deepest sleep. We might feel like that, but often the next day, even if we're not necessarily quote unquote hung over, you'll talk to adults. And even if you keep a log where you're noticing, oh, actually like, I don't feel that great the next day. Like I am still tired and I just slept 10 hours. Another thing that happens is we have devices. We have the smartphones and the you know, our laptop. So making a rule around, I'm not going to go on electronic devices, but a, a doable rule for yourself could be to start with 30 minutes. It's easier said than done. And if you look back, like trying to think my oldest is 13, I feel like the iPhone just came out around that time. But if you look back on your sleep quality, maybe 14, 15 years ago, most people will say like, yeah, actually I was a lot more rested based on the sleep that I was getting. And a lot of it has to do with like the phones weren't exciting. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I wasn't super excited to like look on the Nokia brick phone to do anything at night. Like, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't exciting like worm game all night. It's like, you'd play it for a little <laughs> while and then you're like, okay, cool. I'm over it. Or you'd like, you know, text your friend and be done. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, I was barely touching my phone unless I was like trying to send a text message or call someone. It wasn't the same addiction that it is now. No. And now, especially as parents, we can start on our phone. I'm guilty of it too, where it's like, I'm going to Google something, you know, what does the red spot mean on my puppy's paw? And then you end up down the Google wormhole of 
three hours later, you've gone on 55,000 websites and you've now worried yourself. Parents do this a lot all on your phone and before bed. So now you can not sleep as well because you're worried. Your brain is really activated at the moment. Like, okay, I've been staring at the screen. Like now I'm supposed to turn off everything and go to sleep. So alcohol screen time before bed. And another huge, huge one is outside. So for example, um, external things like the TV running versus maybe some white noise or some pink noise and also going to bed too late. And we just talked about that 10 PM to 2 AM is a great window to really try to get that restorative sleep. And so really working on a consistent bedtime for themselves and making it practical. Like if you say every night I'm going to go to bed at eight and you know, that's just not practical. Don't do it because one eight o'clock passes. And sometimes adults will do this like all or nothing vibe of, Oh, I already missed it. Like I'm just going to stay up till 12 now. Or you just feel like crap when you're not meeting that goal. So set a realistic goal. For example, 9 p.m., let's say that, that that's still kind of early for a lot of parents to realistically get to sleep. But setting a goal time or window that you are going to be in bed with no electronics and working on actively going to sleep helps to consistently get that good sleep. And another mistake that adults make is sleeping in too late on the weekends. And this throws yourself off because adults will sleep into some adults. I know you're probably really... Heather, like dying for this right now, but when adults like entrepreneurs who are single come to me and they're sleeping until noon every day, and then they can't fall asleep at night until noon. I'm like, one, Heather would love to sleep in, in the morning. Um, <laughs> I'm like, what is this thing she's talking about? Sleep in over sleep. What? <laughs> to going to bed too late. And so you create this cycle for yourself. So really making sure that you're limit, watch your alcohol usage before bed, watch your screen time, getting to bed at a consistent time nightly is very, very helpful for your body to set its rhythm of sleep. So if you're consistently working on getting an earlier bedtime for yourself, you can work incrementally. So in 15 minute increments of really getting yourself into bed and waking yourself up at a consistent time every day. This doesn't mean that we aren't going to take advantage, obviously survival parenting mode, right? Like, oh my God, everyone slept until seven, like I'm sleeping or my partner, you know, said today's my day to sleep in that's, that's different but being mindful of when you're going to sleep consistently and really stopping the rat race of like, okay, tonight I'm going to stay up until midnight. And then I'm exhausted because everyone's up for the day at six. So then now I'm exhausted all day. I'm in a bad mood. So I'm going to go relax. I'm going to have a glass of wine. I'm going to start watching a show and oh my goodness, it's 11 o'clock. We're getting that cycle. So the consistency in adult sleep and the sleep environment they're in. So blackout curtains, dark as you can get it. You can buy, I'll talk about that in a few minutes as far as sleep tools, but it's, there's simple ways to make your room very dark and setting up the environment. The TV's off, your phone is face down and setting yourself in to get that sleep, whether it is seven to nine hours, whether it is three hour increments that you are getting that sleep. And a note on that also is all those parents out there who are waking up in the night still to feed babies if they're waking this is where it's hard because I remember personally, um, 13 plus years ago with my oldest waking in the middle of the night to nurse, like the smartphone thing, like wasn't fully available, you know, yet. And so it was, it was boring. It was like, oh my God, just get back to sleep. And then as time goes on, now that we have smartphones, you can easily feed your baby and stare at your phone and go down that rabbit hole again. And then you realize, oh my goodness, I've been sitting here for an hour with them. They're done feeding. Actually. I've now Googled like 72 options for snow baby winter gear to order on Amazon. And I can't really fall back asleep. They now aren't going back to sleep in their crib or wherever they're sleeping well, because I've kept them up. Like it's a cycle. So being mindful of when you are awake in the middle of the night, dark, calm, just get yourself back to sleep after also very important. 
such good tips and advice. Um, and I'm going to definitely implement some of those myself. I have been thinking about, oh, I need to get on a sleep routine and you just definitely validated that. So, um, I will be doing it. Let's talk quickly um, before we have to wrap up. What are some of your favorite uh, sleep tools for baby and for adults? Sure. So for adults, an alarm clock that does isn't super bright and preferably isn't your phone. You can grab them on Amazon, simple analog clocks, and they don't, don't have a light necessarily unless you press something. And the alarm is still pretty loud in the morning. And it allows you also to not hit the snooze button over and over like on your phone, because when you are hitting that snooze button, you are not getting as restful sleep that you think you're getting. You think you're getting five or eight more minutes or eight minutes and 52 seconds, like on the iPhone says, <laughs> but it's not, it's not, it's not actually helping your sleep. So setting a realistic wake up time that you're going to consistently hold yourself to actually wake up when your alarm goes off. So little analog clocks are super helpful. Blackout curtains or blackout shades, you can get the ones you tape onto the windows from Home Depot. And white or pink noise, um, a simple machine like the Marpoc, which also is great for babies, can go a long way with adults. For babies, my favorite tools are to have a good swaddle or a good sleep sack. Halo Baby has a great transitional sleep sack. Nested Bean has a great one. Ollie Baby, um, I'm sure you have some favorite ones as well. And really making sure that you have that good, easy to put on swaddle, zip up pajamas. So pajamas that zip up from the feet up to the diaper area. They are becoming way more available now. They're great because in the middle of the night when you're changing diapers, you're not fully unswaddling and having to take everything off in the middle of the night. A night light, um, that's an amber night light usually, or a softer light versus the bright white lights to help support sleep. White noise, um, in, in that machine, you can use brown noise or pink noise. Um, Marpox, a great brand. Hatch is a great brand. Anything that's fan driven is also really good. That's one of the Marpox are. Um, they elicit a, a great sound, but the Hatch or some other ones also have the actual light in them, but really having a noise machine to help support and trigger your baby's sleep, swaddle or a sleep sack, depending on their age, blackout curtains, very, very, very helpful overnight to keep that room, how it needs to be um, nice and dark during naps and nighttime. And again, you can buy those on Amazon. You can get them at Home Depot to tape onto your windows behind your regular curtains and a safe sleep space, whether that is, whether you're co-sleeping, whether it's a bassinet or a crib, making sure you have a firm, flat sleep surface for your baby. That's my like speed fire round of, of, of very simple. Love it. <laughs> go, go, go. Um, and I was, I was totally typing the notes. So I'll share them um, on social and stuff as well. So if anyone's like, wait, what did she say? I want to write it all down at soulspace.co um, on Insta. And I will put some graphics up of these. Um, as far as the sleep sacks, I actually went from the Ergo when they were baby babies because I just thought it was a little warmer and I'm all about warmth. My friends make fun of me all the time because I live in California. And if it's, you know, 60 degrees or below, I've got my kids in like snow jackets and blankets to go on a walk. They're like, are you kidding? We're in sandals. <laughs> so that's just me. Um, but then I transitioned to the Ollie, which I loved. Um, I've heard great things about nested bean, but um, yeah, I know you mentioned I had a few faves and I do. I've ended up now in the kite sleep sacks with Sutton. Vaughn didn't like sleep sacks. He wanted to be like in, like he didn't even like being swaddled. I, both my kids were not super in, into being swaddled. Um, but those are the ones that I was able to get away with, even though they hated it. And then was Sutton transitioned into the zippity and then from the zippity went into like a true sleep sack. And now we're in the, the kite ones, which I'm hoping to keep her in forever. Cause she's going to crawl out of her crib. I just know it. Vaughn stayed in it. He would still be in it right now. Like if I didn't transition him out, 
I just was like, you're about to be three and a half and you're still in a crib. I feel bad for you because you're the size of a five-year-old. Like, are you supposed to be in a crib right now? I don't know. Um, but Sutton, I mean, the girl's climbing on everything under the sun. So I'm like, you're in a sleep sack till you're 12. And cause then you're going to climb out of your window and I'm not excited about any of this. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> oh my goodness. I can relate to that. Oh my gosh. I know these girls, they kill us. Um, okay. So, uh, there's been so much amazing information here. I'm sure a bunch of listeners want to get in touch with you. What is the best way to get in touch to, um, learn more about your, how to work with you, your tips, things like that. Sure. You can find me on Instagram at sustainable.sleep and on my website at www.sustainablesleep.co. So that's CO. And I am happy to chat anytime on Tuesdays, we do a question and answer day and I look forward to connecting. I love it. Thank you so much for being on here and sharing all this amazingness. I feel like I just had a personal sleep session for myself and, um, for baby. I love it. I just feel so prepared to get our sleep on. I can't wait. Um, also for anyone who has made it to the final end, um, we are doing a giveaway around sleep this week. So head over to at soulspace.co on Instagram to learn more. We've got all kinds of goodies um, from a lot of our partners that I'm going to mention next and really excited for one of you mamas to win an amazing way to have the tools to have a great night of sleep for you and your baby. So thank you everyone for listening. It was so great to have you, Kayla. Thank you. Thank you. And everyone here's to a good night's sleep tonight. That's right. Thanks Heather. So Like I've mentioned, especially if you've been on social, you have seen this at soulspace.co. We have a special giveaway this week. So Kayla and I have curated a restful giveaway for National Sleep Awareness Week. I told you guys this month was all about sleep. I am your get those Z's champion, queen of naps, bringing it to you. So I have teamed up with Newton Baby and we are going to be giving away, I feel like Oprah, a crib mattress, 100% breathable, 100% washable, 100% amazing. I actually have one. Both my children have slept on this magical mattress. Um, I started with a solid infant mattress um, with my son and with my daughter, it was straight Newton all the way. So they're 100% breathable. Literally, it looks like um, a sponge, but not even as full if you like take out all the casing. I mean, it's it's really open. I mean, you can see the air pockets and how they can breathe, which is amazing. And it literally can be washed down. It's 100% washable, and it's the only crib mattress that is washable cover to core. So bye-bye mold, bacteria, allergens, all of it is gone. Um, living in SoCal, allergens are crazy. I know a lot of friends that live in Texas and their allergies are nuts. So this is amazing. My poor little daughter is sneezing all the time. So knowing that there's one more thing in her room that's helping her not have allergies or have less of them is amazing. And they guarantee 100% better sleep. Babies will sleep better on Newton because it is much more comfortable than a traditional mattress, which are rock hard and wrapped in plastic. They also don't use foam, glue, latex, or springs. I actually had a friend that was allergic to latex and I didn't even know that was a thing. So helps your baby also, again, avoid another allergen. It's like amazing. 
Um, there's two stages for this mattress and it is great. It's green guard, which is wonderful. So low chemical emissions, really, I could talk about it all day, but I don't want to take too much time just to talk about the mattress because that's not all we're giving away. You need a mattress. And I will say Newton is one of the premier ones, but you also need sheets to go on your mattress. Am I right? Who is all about their bed sheets? Well, our children deserve obviously amazing bed sheets. And I was so excited to come across Cocoa Beans Silk Sheets. They're 100% silk crib sheets, the dreamiest sh- sheets for your little bean, um, 100% naturally hypoallergenic, temperature regulating, and machine washable. The magically smooth texture also reduces friction, which means less tangles and frizz. Now, this mama, Jill, and her husband, Joe, were on a mission. They adopted their daughter, Cora, in 2018. Cora's biracial. And Joe was searching for the best way to care for her beautiful curly hair and delicate brown skin. She knew there was a solution out there that would help with her tangled dry hair because she'd wake up with just all these tangles and, and she was, you know, frustrated. She's like, "Ugh, I need to help my baby. And I mean, I don't know about you mamas, but I sleep with a silk pillow sh- pillow, I almost said pillow sheet, pillowcase, <laughs> because it's amazing for my skin. It's anti-aging for my hair. Um, the longer my hair gets, the more knotted it gets. So she spent 18 months to figure out this crib sheet for her baby girl, which I just love so much. And hello, cocoa beans. So she discovered how magical silk could be for hair. And she was inspired to turn this into concept when she couldn't find what she wanted. So we are giving away a set of their silk sheets. Um, this is a $98 value. As we know, silk is luxurious. Um, and I just love this so much for one mama to just wrap their baby in silk. And oh my goodness, this, these little pictures of her daughter on her website are just the cutest thing, by the way. Yes, I have their website up. I'm stalking. Um, so please go give them a follow at cocobeans.co in the giveaway you're going to follow everyone actually. So spoiler alert, um, that's how you're going to enter among other things because we like to spread the party. So you can comment, tell your friends, give us an email if you really want to up your chances. The possibilities are endless. But you have to go to my Instagram at soulspace.co to find out all the details. Okay, and last but not least, what is another thing that helps you sleep at night? It's your child's sleep clock, if you didn't think about that answer. Yep. There is nothing more magical than your toddler looking at the clock, not seeing it be green, or in this case, awake, and going back to bed. It's a dream. So, Mella is a kid's clock by Little Hippo. They're a family business. And in the first year of business, they became the number one best-selling clock on Amazon. This mama, Stephanie, is a rock star. Um, They are an all-in-one sleep aid that grows with your child. For babies, it can be used as a nightlight and sound machine. For toddlers, it uses faces and colors to tell your kids when it's time to wake for bed. Literally, this clock closes its eyes when it's time to sleep and opens when it's time to wake. It is the cutest thing on the planet. Um, and tells you when it tells you when it's okay to get out of bed. So older kids, it's a cute alarm clock. And it's one of those things where it can look like decor in your room. It's not, you know, a crazy random clock. Um, 
So that was one thing that they really focused on was design and functionality. So it's got four colors, blue, teal, pink, and purple. And you basically set the bedtime and Mela goes to sleep. And when it's almost time to wake up, Mela can turn yellow. And then it's a great opportunity to teach your kid to wait and play quietly. And then when it turns green, it's okay to get up. So it's kind of like a stoplight for your child's sleep. Red, stop. Yellow, mm, slow down. You're not ready to wake up yet. Green, go time party, party, party. I love it so much. And I love that there's that independent lesson of like, yellow's cool. You can move around, do your thing, roam around the cabin. Just don't open the door. Kind of like flying. And then when you're ready to go, ding, seatbelt lights off, things turn green. Off you go, little man. Anyways, I'm so excited to bring all of this to you. This is an incredible giveaway. I feel so honored to be able to share some of the things that I've been loving that have been helping me get restful nights, including Kayla. She is just a gem. Um, Please make sure you're following her as well at sustainable.sleep. Don't forget Newton Living at Newton Living um, and also Little Hippo at Little Hippo. Thank you so much for listening to my PSA of sleep. These are the tools I love. I'm so excited to share them with you. Head over to my Instagram, like I mentioned, at soulspace.co, and we will get you hooked up if you're the lucky winner. Can't wait. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And a little quick note, Mama's also going to be taking a little vacay. So I'm going to be taking a four-week vacay from the podcast, a little spring break for me. And I will be back in April on the airwaves to share more goodness with you. So until then, head over to the giveaway, give me some love on Insta, and I will see you in April after I enjoy a little spring break. Thank you for joining A Space for Soul. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe. Boop, just hit that top button. (laughs) For more info on today's topics, visit soulspace.co slash podcasts. That's S-O-L-S-P-A-C-E dot C-O slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T. You can also find me on Instagram at soulspace.co and catch me in two weeks here at the same time, same place where I will talk about entrepreneurship, motherhood, relationships, and figuring out how to get it all done while focusing on you in this crazy, crazy life of working and motherhood. I hope you are having an incredible day and I look forward to hanging out with you again in two weeks.